Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome from Reston, Virginia, Media Research Center headquarters for the Newsbusters podcast. Our guest today, we had an intern event in the building and with us is Brent Shear, the executive editor of the Washington Free Beacon. So it's executive editor to executive editor. Wow. Nice to have you. Great to be on with uh, a fellow executive editor. Yes. Brent was a, we were just discussing, was an intern here at Newsbusters for a very short time because he got a real job offer at the Free Beacon, and he's still there. He's like running the place. So I, you, I'm sure you had good advice to offer the interns today. Only the best advice. Most <laughs> of it gleaned from my month as a uh, Newsbusters intern <laughs> back in 2012. Um, but yeah, you guys got a good good batch of interns. It was nice talking to them. We, uh, we have a much larger group in the summer. I mean, it's, there's so many of them in the summer, they hardly fit in the room there. But the we, yeah, we've had interns since 1992, so it's been a while. So I just thought we could take a look at some of the stuff you're doing at the Free Beacon. I think anybody in the conservative movement who's who wants to know what's breaking in the news, the kind of news that other people don't want, uh, the, the you know the liberal media don't want to talk about it's what you guys are doing. Uh, this was the newest one today. I thought this was very interesting. This isn't a media story. We'll do some media stories. Colin Anderson says the Congressional Black Caucus elected a Democrat who had a years long affair with a 21 year old intern. That's their new chair. Self described family man Stephen Horsford threatened his wife with legal action if she spoke up about the affair. He's from Nevada. Yeah, Nevada Stephen Horsford. He actually had a very close um, congressional race this year. Yes. And that's why we had a lot of focus on him because the biggest problem in his reelection fight was that his wife would not stop tweeting <laughs> about how he was terrorizing her and ruining her life. And it all started because he had been sleeping with an intern for the past decade. So not exactly the best person, but in D.C. these days, you know, that that little problem of, you know, a wife saying you're a terrible person and terrorizing her didn't stop him from getting promoted now to the head of the Congressional Black Caucus, which is an influential and important post. It in, is. Especially in the Democratic Party. Yes. It, with With, I mean... Everybody's heard this week about the historic new black majority leader, uh, minority leader. Uh, but this is the kind of story where the first thing people are going to ask is, and the national news media didn't find this newsworthy because? <laughs> well, we were actually, me and our reporter, Colin Anderson, who's uh, a fantastic reporter, um, we were not the first to report that he was promoted to this post, but we read two or three stories about it, including one in a conservative outlet. And somehow none of them mentioned <laughs> the fact that he is sleeping with his former intern and his wife says he's a monster every day on Twitter. But uh, She's the anti-Hillary Clinton. Yeah, somehow <laughs> that didn't make it into the uh, bullet points on his bio in uh, these pieces on his big moment, uh, his big rise in democratic politics. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll look to see when he shows up on MSNBC or something and then maybe we can say, "Oh, by the way, guess what they didn't mention?" Uh Chuck Ross has a piece on uh Jim Comey. 
you know, liberal media outlets like MSNBC and the New York Times claim Donald Trump had ordered audits of Jim Comey and Andrew McCabe for political payback. But now Treasury Inspector General says the IRS selection was random. No evidence of malfeasance on the part of Trump or any Trump appointed officials. I don't think they're going to. This is one of those things where they jumped on it. When it when the when the supposition was there, and now they're not going to cover it. Yeah, exactly, and it's sort of thing that newsbusters and the MRC like should be all over. And the next step is looking at they just put this out yesterday that basically everything the New York Times reported was wrong and not rooted in fact. And I doubt that this new revelation revelation that they're wrong about everything will be covered in the New York Times. And if anything, it'll be covered on you know. Section in section C, right on the bottom left corner <laughs> under the fold, paragraph 32. The first one was, you know, on the headline, uh, front page and probably drove about 15 insane MSNBC uh segments on how you know, yeah. Trump's using the IRS as his uh to attack the people who are investigating and the heroes. We're well, investigating him. Now, obviously, anybody who's a journalist would say when the FBI director or Andrew McCabe uh, are audited by the IRS, that does look interesting. That is the kind of thing you would ask questions about. Uh, but, you know, obviously with these people, they they ran with the supposition and then then they're not going to follow through. Yes, I would like a CNN segment with Andrew McCabe to bring that up. But that probably won't happen. I'd also like to know, you know, these are the same people who thought that it was crazy that conservatives were so outraged that the Biden administration wants to hire another 87,000 IRS agents to step up the auditing of everyday Americans. But God forbid Jim Comey and people who probably have a team of accountants to do their taxes and can very easily handle an audit. God forbid they have to, you know, suffer what Americans across the country do. This is one of those stories where, like, the fact checkers got really upset. They're like, well, not all the 87,000 are actually auditors. There's secretaries and uh, janitors. I mean, it's really funny how much they really they just hated that thing. Uh, Andrew Stiles says this. I've been writing about this as well. It, uh, the Atlantic wrote an article Titled, Just Wait Until You Get to Know Ron DeSantis. Yes, yeah, somehow they're trying to tell us he's stiff, he's awkward, uh, he, uh, he's not good with people. Now, how does a guy who, who runs for governor and wins twice, is he bad with people? I mean, I, I, I find that just kind of fascinating. Oh, and then there was this part. They were on Morning Joe yesterday. And uh, also they, they said he likes to yell at women reporters. To which my answer is, re- women reporters and all reporters tend to yell at him. So y- y- this is one of those things about the media that just annoys me, that they're sort of like, if you ask a tough question, you should expect a tough answer. You know, I mean, if he says you're wrong, your narrative is wrong, what you're trying to charge me with is wrong. Uh, th- that's that's called a self-defense. I don't know why that would be seen as it's a personal attack. Well, if it's a personal attack, it's a personal attack you know, back from the other personal attack. He also has, you know, an, I believe all female senior press team, uh, a lot of 
women on his uh, campaign and his governor's operation. I mean, the Atlantic piece by Mark Leibovich was like, the headline. What was the headline again? Like, you'll never believe. Just wait until you get to know Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yeah. And it was like by a bunch of the only sources in there were people who barely know Ron DeSantis. Well, I think one of them was Chris Christie was like, he was no fun at National Governor Association meetings. I and mean, like Carlos Corbello, who yeah. I believe served in the house with him for like one or two terms. And like, well, and they, he sounds like he wasn't quite as negative as the other people, but he does have a gig at MS. NBC, so he's got to play ball. But yeah, then there was this other guy, this Max Dupanovich. You get these guys that hate Trump. And I think he was the one that said uh, uh, Trump's going to gut him with a deer antler or something. I mean, they, they're, they're all prancing around basically suggesting oh, Trump's going to have this guy for lunch. Yeah, they hate Trump, but they also like view him as this undefeatable God and Republican, like just, you need to be the toughest guy to face Trump. I mean, maybe DeSantis will have, uh, maybe DeSantis will have a lot of trouble yeah. surmounting, uh, Trump, but I do not think that Leibovich or anybody that he talked to are the people who, you know, have special insights on this. They're yes. clueless. Rick Wilson said, great piece. That, that pretty much says it all. <laughs> For many people. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously nobody knows what's going to happen in the 2024 Republican primaries. I don't think we even know whether Biden's running again. So I I hate the way that the cycle starts so early. But here, this is sort of, in a sense, the start of the cycle is them, you know, they're trying to say, oh, he's the new, I don't know, Howard Dean or uh, or Jeb Bush, frankly. Um, so we don't know. But it's just, yeah, I think it's d deeply weird that they all seem to want Trump to be the nominee again. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that weird because if it wasn't for Trump, nobody would watch CNN or MSNBC. <laughs> and They're suffering I mean, right now because of that. Trump, Trump gave them a huge lifeline by announcing his uh, candidacy, you know, three days after the last election day because it gives them, you know— Something to talk about, because if it wasn't for Trump, uh, their daily, you know, coverage of, uh, you know, I mean, what, they, what the new gender is. Or, <laughs> um, well, you certainly don't like talking about Biden. I mean, so the other night I was watching, I was looking at Lawrence O'Donnell, and the first whole half hour was January 6th and the Oath Keepers trial. Uh, it, it's like Biden barely registers. Um, so that's that's always kind of interesting, and it makes you think we're not really into Biden, not the way they were into Obama. Yeah, They're I mean, January sixth is the way they kept Trump alive for the two years when he's just been at Mar-a-Lago. We actually did a very uh, MRC esque analysis of um, Nicole Wallace's show. Oh yeah, um, over the summer we went through, I think an entire six months of her show to document when January 6th was mentioned first in each of her show. <laughs> and I think I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think in about 75% of her shows, January 6th was the a block. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, Oh, Russia invaded Ukraine today. We'll spend a, we'll get to that <laughs> next hour. <laughs> First, we found out that the shaman, what's his name? Like, uh, here are the texts he, he sent two months before 
overthrowing democracy on January 6th. I mean, it's it's the only, they got to keep Trump alive. Yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things where it's like, if your goal really was, we need to get past Trump. Uh, yeah, the news, when you watch them, it's like, they, they don't seem interested in that in the slightest. Because the obvious way to do that is to just stop talking about him like he doesn't exist. Right? Like, talk about him as often as you talk about George W. Bush. Yeah, sure. But they're not going to do that, obviously. Now, George W. Bush wasn't going to run again. So he's at least got that, I suppose. He's running again. Uh, Now, uh, breaking today, obviously, we've all been hearing a lot about Trump having dinner with Kanye West and uh, Nick Fuentes. And uh, Ben Collins on MSNBC has been saying that somehow... Kanye's pro-Hitler talking points are something you hear in, quote-unquote, Republican podcast circles. <laughs> Not in this circle, pal. <laughs> but you, were, you guys were having fun with the idea. They had a morning Joe. Now to discuss anti-Semitism, Al Sharpton. <laughs> Not only is it absurd to have Al Sharpton, who is one of the biggest anti-Semites alive, on to discuss anti-Semitism, but the idea that it's on Morning Joe, because Joe Scarborough, when he was a congressman, actually wrote, he entered it into the official record, a resolution to condemn Al Sharpton's (laughs) anti-Semitism. And you could see the bill, it's still out there. It's two pages long of just a laundry list of absolutely disgusting and vile things Al Sharpton said about (laughs) Jews. And now he's brought on MSNBC every single time Morning Joe wants to condemn anti-Semitism. It's one of the most bizarre things on TV. That's the, the coolest thing you dug up. I mean, from 2000, uh, that, uh, and, and a lot of people, I mean, again, the younger people, the, our, our interns might not know, you know, uh, his career in New York City, his role in the Crown Heights riots. Uh, white interlopers was his term for the Jewish merchants there. Yeah, he legit started riots in the streets of Brooklyn, just searching out. Jewish people and destroying Jewish businesses all predicated on a lie that Jews were responsible for a uh, incident they were not responsible for. The Free Beacon actually last year did a special on the anniversary of the Crown Heights riots and we had 10, 15 different pieces just coming from every angle at what happened and how it's this forgotten story and i think the main reason it's forgotten is because when you talk about it you got to talk about the ringleader who is now this you know liberal god and he's like this kingmaker in democratic politics i remember during the primary you know joe biden goes in to meet with al sharpton and like you need to get his blessing god the last thing i would want or anybody (laughs) should want in a sane world is Al Sharpton's blessing. But it was a long time ago. It was back when Al Sharpton was fat. So, yes, I suppose it's also going to be, and now to discuss riots at the Capitol, Al Sharpton. Denounce the riots, Al. The the insurrection at Crown Heights. I don't know. This this one I thought was neat. We've noticed this over the years. That uh, first we noticed it in the Washington Post. The China Daily, these sections of fake news, that the, that the communist Chinese government puts out, that they paid the Washington Post for this insert. 
that's supposed to look like news. Um, and now in recent years, they've been doing it in Time magazine. And so what makes it interesting, you, you guys point out they're spending uh, almost $700,000 or $650,000 for just for a quarter from May 1 to October 31. Uh, thank goodness for the Foreign Agents Registration Act, so you can actually find that out. Uh, but what's interesting to me about this, of course, is time was bought by Mark Benioff, who's a, a left-wing billionaire who has a, a, a company called Salesforce. And then you went and pointed out they've been making an aggressive push into China. His software company struck a deal with Chinese tech giant Alibaba to provide cloud computing services for them in China. So, I mean, talk about I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, it, I just find it fascinating that news media people who talk about foreign interference in our elections. <laughs> I mean, a lot. the Russian interference in, in 2016 was buying pages on Facebook. So this, to me, this would be foreign election interference. I mean, certainly. And I think bigger than that, uh, kind of to make the media point here, is that it's amazing what these liberal billionaires could get away with as long as they are donating money to the right people and saying, oh, we're going to go into FTX next. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, Sam Bankman fried defrauded people out of billions of dollars across this country. And it wasn't that hard to kind of notice what he was doing. I think, especially if you have like the New York times does a team of financial reporters in, you know, the capital of the financial world in New York City. But somehow nobody really uh, figured out that this whole Bitcoin crypto thing was a house of cards. Um, same thing with Binyaf. I mean, um, can you imagine if a right-leaning uh, publication was running advertisements for Russia? Mm -hmm. So if the free beacon took $700,000 from the Russian government for, you know, just a pamphlet on the side promoting how great Putin is and all that, <laughs> um, I think it would be a big deal. But, you know, if Benioff is giving money uh, to Democrats, he just gets away with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. just the whole purchase of Time Magazine is fascinating. It's the same thing that they get very upset that Musk buys Twitter. They get very upset with the Murdochs owning anything. Uh, but Bezos, that's cool. Beating off, that's cool. And I mean, we've done a ton of coverage about how the Washington Post has completely failed to cover Amazon properly. Yeah, right. I mean, it. there is just, you're lying to yourself if you don't think that Bezos bought the Washington Post to have an influential operation that helps his business um, be like, Massively. So this is the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you it's at least very safe to assume that he that that right is that the Washington Post, one of the most prestigious media properties over there on the left side, um, that uh, that source is going to dry up doing any truly negative reporting on on Amazon. Uh, and then, yeah, you would think that other papers and other media properties, they might. If you if you consider them true competitors, they'd say, "Oh, let's get in there and and mess with Amazon and wreck the Washington Post." But that's not the way they feel. I'm sure they feel like he's helping us all. 
He's, you know, it's liberal media helping liberal media. And I mean, also, you need to know that this is not a good investment because the Washington Post is, you know, hemorrhaging money. Sure. So if Bezos was doing it as smart businessman, that can't be it because he is a smart businessman. Yeah. So he didn't think this was smart financially. So he must have some ulterior motive. And it is in fairness, it's possible that it's just for the prestige of it. Sure. That these guys are all narcissists and, you know, he likes the fact that he owns one of the world's most famous newspapers. But more likely, he's just doing it because it helps him stay one of the world's richest men. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I wanted to go back and uh, around to uh, one of our focuses here is fact-checking. Back in February, uh, I wrote something about how you ended up in a Glenn Kessler fact-check in the Washington Post. Your reporter, Patrick Hoff, also once an MRC intern. I know. Uh, had this big report that the Biden administration was using tax money to distribute crack cocaine pipes in what they call harm reduction kits. And uh, several, several, Snopes, several of these fact checkers went after you like the Biden administration assigned them to it, trying to say there was something false in this, that there weren't crack pipes in the kits. Obviously there were. Um, crack pipes was probably uh, our most fun story of uh, 2022. Um Kessler, in fairness to Kessler, Kessler was a lot more fair to us than yep. the other hordes of fact checkers that came across. And me and him exchanged, you know, 15 to 20 emails because he, being around for a little bit and seeing multiple governments lie, he was actually shocked to see all these other fact checkers predicate their entire fact check that our story was wrong. The only fact that they had against us was that the Biden administration said it was wrong. <laughs> yeah. We had a piece of paper that said the Biden administration is spending X million dollars to distribute harm reduction kits, including crack pipes. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it says that, but we're, we're not going to. <laughs> and, Don't pay any attention <laughs> to what it actually says. And it's funny, they went through, they amended the grant to say, it now says in a big note on top of it, none of these funds can be used to buy crack pipes. But in the months that came since then, we actually did an amazing uh, thing in journalism these days. We went to some of these harm reduction groups that right. were getting money from the Biden administration to do harm reduction. And despite what the Biden administration said, they were giving out crack pipes. So they still said that what we were reported was a lie because they said that, yes, we took $2 million from the Biden administration. And yes, we are giving out crack pipes. But that $2 million is being used for something else. <laughs> we're spending other money to buy the crack pipes and give them out. Uh huh. And I mean... It, so props to Kessler, who, although I would say his fact check wasn't the most fair, it was more fair than yeah. the rest of the fact check. Yeah, checkers. he was one of these guys where he didn't say you were true. He just said, this is complex, which is, is better than you got. And, you know, it wasn't, oh, false. Um, I, no, I, that's my experience, too, is that whenever I 
and looking at a fact check he does, and I actually want comment from him, I can email him and say, you said this, and, and he will send a reply within like an hour. Yeah, and he's not always right. And I'll say the one uh, uh, issue I had with Kessler here, what he said to us was he he tried to pivot into giving us advice on how we could have covered the story better. Uh-huh. And he was like, well, where you guys failed was you guys should have asked a follow-up question to really nail them on whether or not it was crack pipes or not. And what I told him was, and this was not part of the fact check. This was just a conversation between the two of us. uh, And I told him that it's not the same writing for the free beacon as writing for the Washington post. And when you email some Biden administration official, it's not like you could just like get your buddy who works over at HHS back on the phone to ask him a follow-up question. Right. The percent, uh, I'd say the Biden administration answers our inquiries on serious stories about 1%, maybe half a percent of the time. And they did answer us on the Biden, on the crack pipe story. And their response was actually that we were right. That like, yeah, we are doing this. And then they changed their tune two, three days after the story when, you know, everybody freaked out that they were (laughs) spending millions of dollars on crack pipes to uh, create more racial equity. But I I don't think that Glenn Kessler can put himself in the shoes of a conservative journalism outlet that doesn't get the access that a Washington Post does. Yeah, I mean, the Biden administration is not wrong to say, oh, this is a conservative source, a conservative outlet that's probably not going to have a positive piece on me. That's understandable. But this is where you just get so frustrated with them because it's like, well, now you understand why a lot of Republicans or conservatives don't want to grant access or answer you. It's basically on the same premise. One of the funny things about Trump, and I don't find much about Trump to be funny at this point, still waiting for him to concede the last election, but he granted tremendous access. I mean, they beat him senseless. And he, he, I mean, I guess he just loves to be the focus of everybody. I mean, he still does. I'm always like kind of confused when, you know, (laughs) Trump will say something like uh, attacking Maggie Haberman as like a second rate, terrible uh, reporter who only lies. But then he says that after, bring her down to Mar-a-Lago and sitting down with her for like two days to just yap about everything. I mean, it's almost a game to him, Yeah, but yeah, he talks to, uh, well, the what? New York Bob, times. Bob Woodward can do an entire book about his interviews. <laughs> and I mean, Trump, the idea that Trump was surprised that Woodward's story in the end didn't turn out to be, uh, a, a glowing profile of him. I, I don't think that's actual surprise. I think no. he likes some of the negative uh, yes. media attention because it creates the the circus that is, uh, you know, Trump Trump world politics. Yeah, and it's the circus that fuels MSNBC and CNN into keeping the lights on. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's just, to me, I always look at it and I say, that was, to me, one of the real curiosities of, like, the 2016 campaign. And and 2020 as well. And that is, you know, the Washington Post had a big expose. Trump revealed. Big book on Trump. 
There was no book on Hillary. Uh, they barely got an interview with Hillary. And then when one of their reporters got an interview with Hillary, it was like, how will you explain running for president to your granddaughter, Charlotte? You know, I mean, it's it's. And so, yeah, in 2020, it was the same thing. Biden could hide in the basement. And when he would grant some access to reporters, you have these Mike Memelies and stuff who are basically were like, tell us how Trump's terrible. Um, it's just anybody who's honestly watching the political world today has to know. I mean, and a lot of the good reporting, even on, I, I noticed this, that a lot of good reporting on Biden and the Biden administration has come up in the last month yeah, um, since right. the election. Suddenly. It's like they had a few stories they were sitting on before the election. They were saying that, you know, the crime wave is a lie and yeah. that these cities are actually fine. And then just a few days ago, the Washington Post publishes this very, very um, polished next level look at like the kids that are dying across the country. <laughs> and it's like, these stories have been covered on Fox news and the Washington free beacon and all these outlets. And you guys were carrying the Biden administration's water and saying they were a lie. Even while your reporters were clearly working on the stories that show that Biden's America is an absolute travesty and a mess. It's like uh, CBS has suddenly discovered the Hunter Biden laptop is real. I mean, they just authenticated it. I mean, the, it took them a. <laughs> I mean, the a, Post and the New York Times did it this spring, but even then, it it really is funny to be like, it. it, it you do. I mean, well, the question we all ask ourselves is, oh, do they all want a, a new president? Because they wouldn't normally do this, you know. Especially after they so aggressively tried to say the laptop was a was some sort of Russian. Uh, intelligence operation. Um, and so uh, I appreciate you coming by the MRC and speaking to the interns. And I appreciate all the stuff that you guys do over at the Free Beacon. We could, you know, I'm sure we could every day we could be like the Free Beacon as this and the network coverage was zero. Maybe that would get to be a tiresome game. But what that says to people is if you want some alternative news, we have these kind of sites. On the conservative web, you got to come to it. Freebeacon.com. It's a good site. And come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>